Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back in to the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. We're starting off another game week in Happy Valley, and it's a big one. Number two, Ohio State, the unbeaten Buckeyes, making a trip to Beaver Stadium for a noon kickoff this Saturday. Nittany Lions now 6-1, and one, up from number 16 to number 13 in the AP Top 25 poll after beating Minnesota 45-17. to 17. A convincing victory for the Nittany Lions on Saturday, the kind of response that I think fans across the country, across the globe, were hoping for after what went down a week earlier in Ann Arbor. We spent a lot of time on our post-game podcast out of Beaver Stadium Late on Saturday night into early Sunday morning, Daniel Gallon and I uh, will continue that conversation, circle back to some top takeaways from the Minnesota matchup, uh, and also get to some recruiting feedback on this show with Tyler Calvaruzzo. Him and our 24-7 sports recruiting team have been all over it uh, when it comes to the whiteout recruiting coverage. A lot of feedback on the site already. We'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. But let's get things started by bringing back in Daniel Gallon and Mark Brennan to break down what we saw on Saturday in Beaver Stadium. And Mark, we'll begin with you because Daniel and I had our turn in front of the mic on Saturday night. And the storyline seems like every week centers on Sean Clifford, this time for a positive reason. Uh, it begins with two three and outs, an interception. The boos intensify after each of those possessions. The boos were first detectable when he was shown on the big screen and introduced as a starting quarterback. We heard him a little bit uh, mixed in there with James Franklin's introduction. And we knew that the fan base was reaching a boiling point. There some segments of the fan base regarding the quarterback position and regarding how it was attached to the ceiling of this 2022 state squad. What did you take away from the 60 minutes of football that Sean Clifford produced that, oh, by the way, a couple hours ago was announced Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week? Yeah, I thought Clifford showed just tremendous leadership. I mean, I thought all their veterans did, but especially him. You know, I I guess when you're a 60-year player who's been through everything, uh, you're making some money on the NIL NIL side, you're, you're kind of a professional. And he handled it like a professional. I don't mean that in a smart-alecky way. I think he went went out, uh, did not let the booze bother him, and took care of business. I mean, it, it was amazing. I mean, he after that first interception uh, where he lofted the ball downfield and it was just a terrible throw. I mean, it's the kind of terrible decision that we see him make on occasion. Uh, after that, I think the number – he was 8 of 10 on throws of 15 yards or farther. And, you know, this is a team that was really struggling to get those explosive plays in the passing game. And not only did he do that, but he was spreading the ball around to different receivers. Uh, The tight ends came out of witness protection. Theo Johnson 
Uh, I don't know what happened there, but but he exploded. The the, the they were throwing to the running backs. I mean, what a what a concept that was, and uh, the, they he was able to spread it around to the wide receiver. So I think just tremendous leadership on Clifford's part. I think Mike Yersage really took a step up and um, w- put Clifford in more of a position to succeed, to spread the ball around and do all those things. Having said all that, Sean Clifford has excelled in these types of games before. The games where he's typically struggled outside of Iowa last year where he was banged up, when they were on their way to probably blowing out Iowa, a top-five team at the time, he struggled against top-five opponents. So now we're right back where we started, aren't we? I mean, Sean Clifford came out, proved everybody wrong, everybody who was thinking that Aller should play, including me. I thought it would have been a good place to play him. Uh, he came out and got the job done and led Penn State to a blowout win, shook off the early issues. Uh, but now, okay, let's see what he's able to do against Ohio State. Yeah, and I do I do want to talk about his performance and, and kind of what we make of it for the offense moving forward. But I want to quickly go back to the scenario that did play out in Beaver Stadium. We talked about it on the pregame podcast. I, I anticipated that we'd get into the game before we heard that frustration voiced by the crowd. We didn't even make it into the game. And, and there was a large carryover effect if people just were – following along on our message board in the six, seven days that separated Michigan from the Minnesota matchups, you're well aware of of where the mindset was for a lot of people regarding Sean Clifford and his play as the quarterback. But you asked James Franklin with the first question of the postgame press conference, and you started out by saying Sean Clifford's early struggles, and he was quick to to correct you before you even got through your question. He said, you mean the, the offenses? And I picked up on a few different things from player conversations when pinpointing Clifford and, and what happened early with the interception, the three and outs. And I was corrected by a couple of players and saying, well, there was 11 of us. It was an offensive issue. It really felt like it must have been a week injury involved here with, with Sean Clifford sidelined for portion of practices. It felt like a week where this program, Daniel, kind of circled the wagons around their six year senior quarterback, the 24 year old. And he validated that with what he came up with through the final three quarters of this matchup. I think when you you look back at the Michigan game, obviously Clifford's performance is the the headline item there. But when you look at the the offense as a whole, it was just an overall poor showing uh, because Clifford didn't really get any help. They couldn't run the ball. Um, you know, they they just couldn't do anything. And then because they were three and out so many times, they just never really did. You know, they never had the opportunities uh, to really even do anything. So I think that. It's what you want to see from the team in terms of circling the wagons, getting behind their guy. But at the same time, I think that it's also there's also some truth to it. I don't necessarily think that it's, you know, 100 percent covering for the quarterback. I think that you watch that film from last week and probably every position group saw a lot of things that they need to do better. A lot of things that they that they left on the field Uh, at the same time. Sean Clifford is the engine that that makes everything go. And this offense uh, against good teams has shown that if if the quarterback isn't clicking, if Clifford isn't clicking, the offense can't really get it going. So it does come back to him. But I did pick up on that too. Um, it wasn't it wasn't overtly defensive, but I think that they they stood up for Clifford, and I think that it shows what we've talked about with his leadership, the respect that he has in the locker room, and and kind of the space that he occupies with the program. Let me. Can I, I chime in one thing, yeah, Tyler? On that, I mean. You know, it's your point is a really good one because there was clearly a concerted effort, I think, to, 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 again, circle the wagons around Clifford. I'm a loser, so 
on set on Sunday when, when people are doing stuff, I actually put on the, a replay of BTN's the final drive or whatever they call it, where Gary DiNardo came up with the uh, the, the tremendous uh, analysis that Ohio State will be a much much better test for Penn State. It's like, oh wow, that's really. But what they did is they showed they showed the interview with Franklin on the field after the game with BTN. And he said Clifford struggled early. So I think he actually caught himself. And then when I said it, and I, I, I wasn't bothered by the way he handled it, but it, when you said that, it made me think, I'll bet you Franklin realized he said that on BTN and then was like, okay, that, that wasn't the right message to send. And I think that's why when I asked that first question, but I thought it had to be asked. And I thought he ended up giving a good answer, which he almost always does. So uh, but yeah, they definitely were, were were circling around, and then and you know what the other players, if you talk to them, they heard the booze. I mean, yeah. Franklin said Franklin didn't even address that end of it, which he shouldn't. I mean, he's a professional; he doesn't, you know, he's not going to let that get under his skin publicly. Uh, but the other players clearly did, and I think it all circles back to leadership. I mean, I really I thought going into this game, it was going to be gut check for their leaders, and I think Clifford showed up as a leader. And I think the players who had his back showed up as leaders as well. And I think that was all good for Penn State. Well, we'll talk this week more about where Drew Aller fits in. Right now, he's clearly as the understudy. There's not more to the story than that right now. I think everything we heard last week from the staff, the way James Franklin came out after the game, the way Sean Clifford performed. But we all know we may just be one week away from pushing the reset button on that conversation or just a quarter or two away. A series? Uh, but, but, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But congratulations to Sean Clifford, who – uh, at a you know a moment where it felt like he was on the shakiest ground as a starting quarterback since November 2020 when he was benched for a half in favor of Will Levis, he, he responded in, in a significant way. He's three and zero in whiteouts. He's zero three as a starter against Ohio State. They've had some interesting battles. He's been knocked out for one of them, uh, but he'll get a fourth shot at the Buckeyes this upcoming Saturday. We got to point to the fact that his supporting cast was about as balanced and productive as we've seen. You mentioned the tight ends coming out of witness protection pr program early. Both of those freshman running backs were involved, uh, each of them contributing uh, in significant ways. And then uh, the wide receivers making plays downfield. Daniel, it was as though everything we spent so much time harping on last week was addressed during this Minnesota game. And, and by the way, not to gloss over the offensive line, dealing with some shuffling situations. They held up their end of the bargain. Mike Yersich, again, a, a lot a lot is going to be measured against a team like the Ohio State Buckeyes. But a week in between these two games against top five opponents, we circled and said, what kind of an answer do they have? And to their credit, they had a very strong one. A couple of the players that we said that we wanted to see show up showed up. Um, you know, Theo Johnson uh, and I think Parker Washington is someone who uh, has come up a couple times. We were we were waiting and waiting and waiting for, for Washington to – really have a splash play because numbers wise he'd been you know fine uh this year um but that that touchdown uh, i was thinking about that a lot uh over since the game saturday night um and it kind of felt a little bit like one of those no 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 yes plays um in the moment because it's clifford kind of going off balance uh slinging it downfield but at the same time rewatching it uh i mean it was the way that Parker Washington had played it, it, was, it wasn't really a 50-50 ball. It was a 70-30 ball. Um, and I think that if Washington doesn't make the catch, it's probably incomplete uh, instead of an interception. And so I thought that that was great. We have a great photo of the catch uh, up on lines 24-7 that, that I, I really liked. Um, but yeah, the, the offense, I thought, rebounded really well. And the thing that just stood out to me is just the, 
the explosive plays. Uh, that was something that was a talking point last week. Uh, it showed up in the run game, uh, and it especially showed up in the passing game. Um, I don't think we've seen them take that many shots downfield this year. Uh, and I think that that was something that we had kind of talked about with Drew Aller, that, okay, maybe if they bring in Drew Aller, they can test opposing defenses vertically a little bit more uh, because of Aller's arm strength, because of the type of quarterback he is. And we just hadn't really been seeing that from Clifford so far. But we saw it. Uh, it didn't really work early uh, when when he was intercepted. But um, I thought that adding that, getting that on tape and, and showing that you can take some of those shots downfield, um, that ball to Mitchell Tinsley on the sideline uh, that, that Tinsley roped in with, with one hand um, was a, a fantastic individual play. Um, and I think the fact that Penn State has shown that they can get vertical, they can stretch the field a little bit, and that was without Keandre Lambert-Smith playing an offensive snap. Um, I think that that bodes uh, a little that bodes well uh, in terms of this offense maybe looking a little bit differently uh, moving forward. Guys, collectively, Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson came into that matchup against Minnesota with six catches on the season for 58 yards, no touchdowns. They both scored against Minnesota and combined six catches for 113 yards. They nearly doubled their yardage total in a single game compared to the previous uh, first half of this season. So pretty remarkable when that was a main point of discussion uh, during our conversation with Mike Yersich on Thursday morning. Um, and then by the time we get through about 55, 60 hours later, uh, things have changed quite a bit. We'll see if that carries over into the Buckeyes game. Let's get back to those freshmen running back, though, because a lot of the fireworks were done in non-conference play. Um, that particularly probably um, – Suits Nick Singleton as well, those long-distance touches. It had been a while since we saw him go 20-plus on a touch. He did it a couple times against Minnesota. Katron Allen continues to be very steady in his approach with the ball, five-plus yards per carry again. And I thought it was big to see both of these guys in a situation where they knew Kevon Lee wasn't there. There was no safety net. Tank Smith's you know, looming as the number three guy if, if Penn State chooses to use them, but we don't expect him to really take, take a, on, on an offensive role. Mark, what did you think about their ability to, to not just get beyond the Michigan matchup, but know that there was no one waiting in that room behind them? They've been surrounded by veterans all season long and uh, had to be a pretty lonely feeling for them, but also a, a very powerful feeling knowing that it was going to be their day. Yeah, well, first of all, I mean, Mike Yersich clearly watched this podcast and that's where he got <laughs> yes. all of his, his ideas. I'm kidding, Mike. Uh, he's much smarter than than any of us are, uh, but you know what I really just kidding, liked, Mike. Just kidding. Yeah, what I really liked is I think you get a kick out of that because he knows that. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, you know what I really like. Again, I, I'm going to go, keep going back to leadership. Is that they got some other things going that I think enabled the running backs to to, to get moving. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, Singleton had the screen pass that he was able to take for significant yards, but they didn't really start popping runs until the passing game started clicking. And, and that's what I like. Uh, you know, I, I like that complementary football, whether it's between offense, defense and special teams or just within the offense. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that you start hitting the tight end over the middle or down the middle on seam routes. And then what happens? They have to start playing. The, the defense has to be more honest. They can't stack the line. And then all of a sudden you're popping runs, you know, down those, those, same, those same areas. And to, to your point, um, you know, I think the fact that Kevon Lee is still there, I mean, it's not as if he left. I mean, he just was in street clothes, and uh, we're not sure what, what, what happened. He actually war warmed up, kind of warmed up, didn't do a whole lot, but he was in uniform. But then come game time, he's in street clothes. But I think it's helpful to still have a leader 
when you have two, two true freshmen. And I also think, you know, Franklin said that they're really not true freshmen. I think the fact that they enrolled back in January has helped too. But I, you're, you're right. I mean, it's physically they have everything they need to do to get the job done. And I think to be able to emerge not only from the Michigan game, but also from the Northwestern game, right? I mean, so you're going back to that game, which was a disaster. They're, they're last, you know, the last showing at home. So you, you're able to kind of put those things in the rearview mirror, and I think it was good to get this kind of performance going into a game against Ohio State where they're going to need both of those kids to play well. Yeah, two touchdowns, by the way, for Singleton gives him seven on the season. Um, he is quickly approaching the record that was set by Noah Kane. I think Noah Kane had eight in 2019, uh, which set the freshman record. So we might see Singleton do it this upcoming Saturday. Eight games into his freshman year um, as they've given him a, a lot of run. And this was actually the first time that he has outsnapped uh, Katron Allen. I think it was by four or five snaps. But just to give people an indication that Katron Allen has been just as much, if not more, a part of the game plan on a week-to-week basis as this season has really gone going. Um, offensive line, uh, Olu Fashano, another fantastic performance, but I think across the board we're going to be keeping an eye going up against Ohio State, not just on Fashano and, and, and if he can continue to make that ascension on NFL draft boards. And if you've been paying attention, the redshirt sophomore is indeed on the rise in a big way there. But uh, between him uh, and, and Juice Scruggs at center, those, those are known commodities. Right now, we have a few unknown commodities. Where is Landon Tengwall in his progress? Uh, he has not been able to play the last couple of weeks. That's meant a lot of Hunter Norzad at left guard. We've had questions about where is Hunter Norzad. Uh, until he got that start a couple weeks ago, he had been absent from game action for, for three or four weeks. So uh, how is Hunter Norzad feeling physically after taking all these snaps? And we've seen Bryce Efner work at left guard, at right guard, at right tackle the last couple of games. And we did not see Caden Wallace finish the game at right tackle after he left early Salim warmly I think he had about 20 snaps that was easily the lowest he hasn't really missed much action at all this season prior to the Minnesota matchup um, so long story short we've got some sorting through to do against what is going to be yet again a very formidable Buckeyes defensive front we'll get our look at practice on Wednesday Daniel um, but I don't think there's any way around it for as well as the offensive line played um, coming out of this Minnesota matchup and, and protecting Clifford and creating some holes um, there are some serious questions about depth before they take on Ohio State. That's that's for sure. Um, I was there. We have a lot of questions about why some of these guys were out, um, what maybe the the long term prognosis is. Um, but I think it just shows the value uh, that that Penn State has really built uh, in terms of depth. Um, because with with Landon Tangwall playing, with not playing, they were seven deep, which we saw them not really able to do last year. Um, until late in the season. So the fact that you had Norzad and you had Efner who were able to come in um, and play significant snaps, that just kind of shows that, okay, maybe this unit is developing a little bit, um, you know, that there's depth there. At the same time, I think that it's also a testament to the group that they had all those moving parts, uh, all that stuff shifting around, and we're not talking about, okay, they, they lost one guy and the whole unit you know, kind of, you know, crumbled a little bit. I think that the, that they were able to weather, uh, you know, those absences and whether having to move guys around, I think that that, that bodes well, um, you know, for, for what you're going to see. But, you know, you want this group to be at full strength against teams like Michigan, against teams like Ohio State. Um, I think that we've, we've seen that when the offensive line isn't at its best, it makes every everything so much more difficult um, for, for everyone else. But, um, I thought that Efner uh, is, you know, when you look back at the, these past two years, definitely one of the more 
um, unsung uh, guys um, in on this team. And the fact that he was able to do go from right guard to right tackle and uh, hold his own, I think that that's really good uh, for, for Penn State. And it seems like he's someone that uh, we're going to see more of and that James Franklin really seems to trust him, um, which I think is, is also big given um, you know, the fact that he has, has played all those different spots across the front. We talked about Bryce Effner very little before August. He was not involved in the practice field in the spring, and he has proven to be able to bail them out in some key spots at three different positions to this point. And that's been huge. That, that's really been big for them. And, and I spoke with Bryce after the matchup, and you, know, you just get the sense that, that he understands his value to this offensive line. He's played a lot of reps at right tackle this year, but he's also been an extra tight end at times early in the season without Theo Johnson on the field. And, and now we've seen him play on the interior. The good news was, though, following back, up on Wormley that when Caden Walsh is unavailable and was not there at right tackle, that meant Efner slid out to right tackle and Wormley came back onto the field. So it wasn't like Wormley was relegated to the sideline for the remainder of this game after he was on the sideline for, for, for a significant stretch of this one. But something to keep tabs on because Wormley has played just as much as Juice Krugs and Olu Fashano. Those have been the three every down offensive linemen over the course of this season thus far. Um, guys, across the way, I mean, you want to talk about answering some question marks. We knew that, that Mo Ibrahim was going to come in and get his 30 carries. He did get them, but he did not get his 200 yards. He fell far short of that, did not get to four, four yards per carry. Um, and when you factor in that they had no Tanner Morgan, this was a blood-in-the-water kind of situation, Mark Brennan for the Penn State defense and Manny, defense, uh, Manny Diaz's group. Uh, they had the answer of their own. We just spent, what, 15, 20 minutes talking about the offense. This was a big day, a big performance for Penn State, who needed the confidence to take on a Buckeye squad that's going to throw talent to playmakers at you from every single position on the field. Yeah, my theme of the day is obviously leadership. And I, t I, spoke, I talked about this last week. When P.J. Mustafer met us, met the media after the Michigan game, yeah, I'm still blown away by the way he handled that. He he said he was embarrassed, and 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 again, I said this. I'm repeating it, but but it bears repeating because it's one thing for the media to say Penn State was embarrassed. It's one thing for fans to say it. It's another thing for your team captain to say it. So, what message do you think he was getting across? He said he wanted to take a day and think about it, and then get back to work Sunday or take the evening or whatever it was. And whatever they did, the, they obviously did it right. Now, listen, I get that Tanner Morgan wasn't playing, but you could only face a team that they're trotting out there against you. And even without Tanner Morgan, that's a physical team, a big team, a hard-nosed team that tested Penn State. And the defensive line without Chop Robinson, who, you know, arguably their best defensive end, even though he comes off the bench, uh, was out with the undisclosed injury, I suppose. Uh, but I think they played well. I really like the move of getting Abdul Carter into the starting lineup. That's something we discussed last week, having him and Curtis Jacobs uh, it really freed Curtis Jacobs up, career-high 14 tackles, and Abdul was just running around, you know, cracking heads, I mean, making plays. And, I, I, you know, I, I know that James Franklin said one of the reasons they did that is because uh, they knew how much Minnesota was going to run the ball. But I think moving forward, you know, I, I, even though Ohio State didn't rush the ball extremely well against Iowa – they have some talented, talented running backs, and I think your best option right now is to have Abdul Carter out there playing football. And, you know, the secondary obviously played well. I thought all three levels played well. They answered the call. That, that, that unit gave up over 400 rushing yards against Michigan. Everybody was predicting they were going to get gashed again by Minnesota. 
and they stepped up and did. I think Minnesota averaged what 3.4 yards per carry or something like that. I don't. I, I could look it up here, but uh, to be able to do that job, I think it all goes back to what Mustafer said. It was gut check time for the defense, and, and they looked themselves in the eye and figured out what they had to do and came back and played well. Yeah, the linebacker move was really interesting, and and I'm not sure how much of that correlated going so heavy into it with the official the you know, removal of Pender Morgan from Minnesota's game plan and, and maybe how that impacted the way Manny Diaz was going to approach this one. Um, now, I have questions. Ohio State's going to be able to put a lot of guys in space on you, and, and they're going to test you with speed and, and just in so many different ways on the perimeter that Minnesota was not capable of doing on Saturday and normally wouldn't be able capable of doing uh, based on just personnel talent. And We know what Ohio State has versus Minnesota and a lot of teams in the Big Ten, but those snaps were allocated at linebacker, very top-heavy in a way we had not seen at any point this season, guys. Yet Abdul, Abdul Carter had almost 50 snaps, which led the way. Curtis Jacobs over 40 snaps. Those two guys had their most productive performances of the season with that adjustment. And then Tyler Elsden, who I think if you've paid attention, I know you guys have, if our listeners have paid attention, he's not leaving the field with as much consistency as we saw over the course of September. Um, he had 40 snaps and Kobe King was under 20 snaps on, on the on the day. And I think you're seeing um, a lot of, I guess, a lot of um, – Tightening, a uh, narrowing of those reps that are allocated at, at linebacker. Again, I'm curious if they can take this approach. And Franklin said to play three box linebackers is not really a traditional formula for success in modern college football. And I have very real questions about that going up against a team like Ohio State. But Jonathan Sutherland seems to be taking a step back in this defense. Um, Kobe King hasn't taken that next step forward at Mike linebacker. You're seeing Charlie Catcher involved, but it sure feels like Penn State Daniel has identified they're leading guys there, and they're going to find a way to feed them reps game by game, even if they have to take a different approach to do it. The name of the game is to get your best players on the field, and I think that we saw Penn State do that uh, on Saturday night with the way that Abdul Carter is playing. The, the, Ohio, the Ohio State matchup is really interesting from the linebacker perspective. James Franklin always likes to talk about how he thinks that Penn State plays its, its base defense more than – with three linebackers, probably more than any other team in, in the country. Um, I think I've heard that a couple times in, in my two years here. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays um, against a team like Ohio State. But I think that the athletes that Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter are, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to see how Penn State matches those guys up, what they do. I think this is going to be a great test for Abdul Carter uh, because you know we've, we've seen the physical side of it. And I don't think there's any doubt um, about him as a player physically. So we're going to see you know, how far he's come along from the mental side. Uh, we're going to we're going to see, you know, is is Ohio State going to put him in conflict conflict? Is he going to be able to make the right reads, the right decisions? Um, he's definitely someone to watch this year, uh, watch this week if he has a, a similarly big role. Um, but I think the linebackers, they, they needed to bounce back um, after what we saw. Um, and it seemed like that they were out there playing with a purpose. Um, they put some big hits down. Curtis Jacobs was everywhere. Um, and I think they're going to need to to play like that again uh, this weekend at Ohio against Ohio State. That was as much of a tone-setting kind of performance from Curtis Jacobs as I've seen in any game that he's played as a Nittany Lion. I, I don't know if it was the, the shakeup the defensively or him just – 
looking to answer the bell and trying to be that kind of a leader. But the body language was there from start to finish, the way he was finishing plays, reacting to them, uh, communicating with his teammates. Really loved what we saw out of Curtis Jacobs uh, on a big night uh, for him. Uh, and guys, just getting to that defensive secondary real quick, I think that's the area going up against Ohio State. Do they tap in more to that safety room? We, we didn't see a ton of involvement across the board. Jair Brown was was as heavily involved as we've seen really at any point this season going back to, to week one. Um, but I think that's a room that, 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 may, that they may be able to tap into a bit more against Ohio State. They've played those four guys really consistently. Um, and I'm just going to mention one name here, uh, Kaziah Izzard. He has really come along in terms of his involvement. He was the uh, most involved defensive tackle on Saturday. He got more snaps than P.J. Mustafer. They were right in the same uh, ballpark there. But um, he's a guy they're trusting with a lot of work. And, and with his size, with his experience, I think his return to the field has gone from looking like a nice luxury a few weeks ago um, to maybe him you know, sh uh, elbowing aside some of those defensive tackles that we said he was getting buried by in September. So a credit to Gaziah is our defensive tackle because when you miss the first four games of the year, not easy to wait to work your way back. And he's done that in a hurry. And, and I think right now he's a guy who's trending up on the defensive side of the football. Mark, any other takeaways that stand out to you defensively? Uh, because that, this is going to be a huge conversation going up against this Ohio State offense moving forward. Yeah, I was just as you guys were talking, I was looking at the season stats here and you know, when you talk about Jonathan Sutherland, one pass breakup on the season, and it was in the, the, the last game. So, uh, you know, I'm not sure, you know, how much are you gaining? Uh, is it worth the trade-off there, I guess, to have him instead of Abdul Carter on the field? And I, I just don't think it is. I think, you're I think I would even rather, even if Abdul Carter is going to get lost in space a little bit, you know, he's going to have to learn along the way because they need what he does. Uh, otherwise, and I think the other guy, to, the other spot to really take a look at against Ohio State, because I thought it was that I thought Tyler Elsden really struggled against Michigan. Uh, McCarthy was really good in those short zones, hit on a very high percentage of his passes. What do we know that CJ Stroud does? He hits on a very high percentage of his passes, and he could really put those linebackers in conflict. So I actually think that Mike linebacker spot could be more of an issue, and maybe that's where they go to the nickel and and try to keep. You know, if you can do it, uh, somehow still keep Carter and uh, and Jacobs on the field at the same time. And by the way, regarding that Mike spot, James Franklin was asked about Abdul Carter and Curtis Jacobs and the Mike role last week. He says Curtis Jacobs not a Mike. That's not part of their plans. Abdul Carter could be but not in 2022. So right now that's what you're looking at in terms of using those two. Uh, Tyler Elston, the leader right now at Mike Linebacker. And uh, how about a spot we'll be watching as well, defensive end. When Chop Robinson's not on the field, you, you notice that. And it, it certainly uh, didn't end up biting them against Minnesota. It wasn't a night where they were able to generate a ton of, of, of pass rush or, or, or pile up the sacks. But uh, over the course of the season, three sacks is still your leader. That belongs to Deny Dennis Sutton. And we still haven't seen a defensive lineman uh, get multiple sacks on the year outside of Deny Dennis Sutton. And against Ohio State, uh, sure seems like you uh, – Love to have Chop Robinson back. Nothing noticeably wrong with him from what we saw on the sideline, but something was wrong. He wasn't playing, and, and we'll be keeping tabs on that because they've got to get some uh, some force off the edge against the Buckeyes, and he's been kind of the leader in that department over the course of the season. Guys, I think that's going to do it for this conversation. We'll jump into it later in the week. Uh, Tyler Cabaruzzo is going to hop on now to talk recruiting. I want to give a quick shout-out to Daniel, though, because this man bookended – his Penn State coverage on Saturday with back-to-back -back trips to Philadelphia to watch the baseball team there Friday night and Sunday. I know you weren't in the stadium Sunday, but 
pretty impressed that you made it back to record this with us with a voice intact. So kudos to you, sir. Three three straight nights of uh, of good sports environments, and you, you can't really <laughs> ask for much more than that. But I'm hoping to get a full night's sleep tonight. All right, gentlemen, we'll talk to you soon. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, let's get to recruiting because we have plenty to focus in on. If you've been at Lions247.com at any point in the last 48 hours, you are well aware that the recruiting feedback from the whiteout game is coming in at full force. And Tyler Calvaruso has been a huge part of that coverage, of course, and he opts on the podcast with us right now. Tyler, how are we doing? Man... It's been a, it's been a fun weekend, I'll tell you that. It's a busy weekend, but it's been a fun weekend. You know, just coming out of an atmosphere like the one on Saturday night, tracking down all these kids, getting their take on it, man. I've had a blast. So we got plenty to talk about, that's for sure. Anyone who's been keeping up on the site, you see everything that's rolling in, all the positives, and just a lot of really good things for Penn State coming out of Saturday night. We spent a bunch of time just now, the Daniel and Mark and I, breaking down what happened on the field, but we all knew what was happening on the sideline. We saw the lengthy parade of prospects uh, greeting James Franklin at midfield during pregame warmups. He certainly got his handshakes and hugs in. Uh, we saw all those guys uh, outside of Beaver Stadium for the team arrival. And then you had a chance, uh, along with, with Brian Doan, who's been doing plenty of heavy lifting, as usual, with the Penn State recruiting coverage, uh, to, to hear what it was like from their vantage point. We've talked about it from our vantage point plenty. What was this moment like for a prospect in the building? Every recruit I've talked to just really was completely blown away with just the atmosphere for all four quarters, the game that, you know, everything that transpired pregame, just really just being there and taking in all the festivities and all such a raucous environment. And, you know, we talk a lot in recruiting about how results don't necessarily matter. They're not the end-all, be-all. But when Penn State's winning in a whiteout game, it just enhances the experience so much more. And all of those guys have really noted that, you know. When their team's rolling, when there's explosive plays going down, the building explodes, and recruits love that. And like David Poly Poly said to me, you know, in-state defense 2024 defensive lineman, Happy Valley roars in prime time. And that's the general sentiment that I've received from pretty much every recruit that I've talked to this weekend. Everyone loved it. I mean, it was just an awesome night for those guys. There's a lot to get to 2023, 2024. No I think I want to start with 2023, though, because there's just fewer names in any conversation right now when you're focused on 23 versus the 24 class. And a priority target got back to campus at a priority position. What are we hearing on that? So, yeah, two really two key 2023 visitors that we should 100% be touching on, keeping a very close eye on moving forward. And KV on keys, the linebacker who's committed to North Carolina. 
and Joseph Mupoy at a 2023 pass rusher up at St. Thomas More, where he's teammates with Commit Zion Tracy. So just starting with Keys, you know, him getting back to campus, that was a pretty big win for Penn State. After his commitment, you know, we weren't really sure what was going to happen there. He's, you know, go off the board, but he's been pretty open to some other opportunities, and Penn State has been one of them. So him getting back for the whiteout, very big win for the staff, and he had a really good night. And while Keys, we haven't been able to really catch up with Keys, he's not doing a lot of necessarily talking right now. You know, he's focused on, he's respecting his commitment to North Carolina and everything of that nature. But the intel indicates that Penn State has been making a move, and that continued on Saturday night and coming out of that visit. He was very pleased with what he saw, and there are people in his circle who were pleased with what they saw. So definitely a lot of positives there. And with Mupoye, I mean, Mupoye loved the trip so much that he's coming back for his official in December. He's already got that locked in beating on December 9th. So Penn State's in a good spot there. There are still some things to sort out. You know, that, that's not necessarily a done deal for the Nittany Lions or anything like that. There are still some, th some things that need to be sorted out on both sides. But Penn State likes them. They like the traits with Mupoye coming off the edge. And another thing that Penn State has working in its favor in this recruitment, and I mentioned it a little bit just a few seconds ago, is Zion Tracy. Those two become teammates this year up at St. Thomas More, and Tracy has been pushing and pushing, telling Mupoye, hey, look, man, you got to come with me. You got to come to Happy Valley, and we got we to gotta team up again at the next level. And that's a pitch that he's been receptive to. And Mupoye is going to make other visits. You know, this is a process for him. He has all of November to make other visits and before he decides in December. But – Penn State has to really like where it's at with him. He, I know he, he's had a lot of good things to say about the program, just his fit on the defensive line. He got a really good look at that with Adisa Isaac. He kept a really close eye on him on Saturday night, and he saw where he might fit on the defensive line if he were to become a Nittany line. So a lot of positives on the 2023 front coming out of the weekend. Mupoye and Keys, Penn State did some good work. That edge spot is one that we've been looking at for yeah. months now. And, and Mupoye, we'll, we'll see if he fits that bill at six foot five, two 240 pounds. Interesting background. He's from the Congo. He has a host family here in the United States. As you mentioned, he's, a, he's at a prep school up in New England, and he's got a Penn State connection within this recruiting class. So uh, tack that on to the fact that he's got this December official visit on the books already. And you like where things are at least trending at this yeah. point as we work our way through the second half of October. Um, I was kind of going to tee you up on KV on keys a little bit later because he was one of two ACC commits on campus on yeah. Saturday. And the other was a quarterback. And whenever you have a quarterback committed to another school, it's a sensitive topic. It's one that we didn't report on until we saw him with our own eyes standing on the turf in Beaver stadium in the grass in Beaver stadium. But nonetheless, a 2024 recruit, um, and and what do we make of this? Yeah, Luke Kromanek, he's committed to Florida State. He's been committed to the Knowles for a little bit now. And while he seems pretty solid with the Knowles, he says a lot of good things about the way Mike Norvell is, you know, getting that program turned around. He has Penn State, you know, that James Franklin got down there to see. He's down in Georgia. James Franklin got down there to see him during the bye week, and then getting him up here for this visit was something that Penn State wanted to accomplish when Franklin went down there. And obviously it came to fruition. So I've talked to Andrew Ivins about Kromnik a little bit, and he loves him. He sees the upside. He thinks he's going to be a big-time passer at the next level. So as Penn State's 2024 quarterback board, you know, it, that's been something that we've talked about a lot. I think Kromnik is a name that we really need to start focusing on a little bit more, despite the fact that he's committed elsewhere. Because the fact of the matter is him getting up there for that whiteout visit kind of speaks to his interest despite his commitment to Florida State. I, I think there's definitely something there. It's obviously going to be something that we monitor a lot moving forward because committed kids make visits all the time. You know, we, we've seen yeah. that in this class. So it, it just it, that's recruiting. You know, Penn State's going to stay on him, and Florida State's going to do everything it can to keep him in its class. So, yeah, just 
that guy is he, he's real man i watched his film so it's really easy to see why penn state is in on him and i can see why ivan's is so high on him so that, that's going to be a storyline in the 2024 class moving forward for sure and really saturday night was kind of just the start of it for 485 pound passer he's been committed to the seminoles since march but like you said when you make that trip unofficially exactly. a long way from home for a saturday you, yep. you didn't stumble your way to campus. You didn't accidentally take the wrong turn. You, you put a lot of effort to be there. So we'll see what happens as, as he continues that dialogue with Mike Yersich, James Franklin, and company. Uh, let's keep working our way through, and let's get back to some in-state talent here. Uh, one of the names among many at wide receiver, and, and by the way, since we recorded our pregame podcast where we took a look toward this, uh, Tysier Denmark was a late addition to, to that list. We're still sorting through. We're still tracking down interviews. We're still tracking down uh, information and intel. Uh, but one of those who has got back to us is Peter Gonzalez, uh, in-state wide receiver. He's been on the target board for a while and certainly sounds like Penn State is well-positioned with his 2024 recruitment. Yeah, really, at this point, you say well-positioned. That might, that might be somewhat of an understatement after yeah. what Gonzalez told us. You know, he, he, he came out and said that Penn State's at the top for him right now. He's been to campus multiple times since the summer. I believe like three, four, maybe even five times, if I'm remembering correctly what the exact number is. He really likes the staff. He's a big fan of Stubbs. He sees himself in the offense. Well, I got the chance to talk to him for a little bit post-game. I know Don handled most of him, but I got the chance to catch up with Pete a little bit, and he was telling me he loves what he sees out of Parker, Washington. Yeah, that, that was some, That's been a recurring theme with him every time I talk to him. He always brings up Parker, and he says he loves his game, and he sees a little bit of himself in him. So – there he see, he likes where he would line up in Penn State's offense. Now you know the 2024 receiver board, like every other position, you know we're talking about a class with only one committee in it right now. It's still coming together, so we're gonna have to see what plays out there. You know where certain guys fall when it comes down to it. But Penn State in a really good spot for Gonzalez right now. He's hot, really, really high on them. All right, at a Central Catholic in Pittsburgh, let's go to the other end of the state out of Archbishop Wood. Kevin Haywood is a guy that we got eyes on uh, in the camp setting. Phil Troutwine spent a lot of time focused in on him this summer when they were on the field together. An offer came from that. Um, certainly has been high on the Nittany Lions for conversations with 24-7 sports staff and was back on campus in Beaver Stadium, six foot seven, 280-pound offensive lineman in the 2024 class. And he's also a guy that has a few crystal ball picks in Tyler Calvaruzzo, including one from yourself, one from Brian Doan, and one from Steve Wiltfong. Those were uh, made back in early to mid-September. Can you kind of update us on the process with Haywood and where he is coming out of this latest trip to Happy Valley? Yeah, so, you know, really just – Another really good visit for Haywood. You know, he, he enjoyed himself, and he, he had a good time. And he's known plenty about Penn State for a while now. He's been to campus a bunch. He has a good feel for the staff. He's got good relationships in Happy Valley. And now he's got that whiteout experience under his belt, and that's obviously a, a feather in Penn State's cap, you know, him being a local kid and just getting out there and having such a great night. But, yeah, the, those picks look good. We'll see what happens. You know, he's heading to Michigan this weekend, so there's still plenty of competition. He, he's, a, he's a heck of a player. He's, he's an intriguing prospect on the line, really big kid, a guy Penn State would love to have in its class. So Nittany Lions have done a lot of good work. Saturday was another win for them in that regard, and we're just going to have to keep monitoring him. You know, let's see what the feedback is coming out of that Michigan visit because they're pushing pretty hard as well. We could probably spend uh, an episode or two uh, just breaking down the recruiting feedback from this matchup, but oh, I'm going to keep it to yeah. just a few more names. <laughs> uh, we do have a ton of coverage at lines247.com. Tyler has been all over it since Saturday evening, but Brian Doan, as I said, doing yeah. a ton of work. Huge. Steve Wolfong, uh, Steve Wolfong producing stuff uh, after midnight on, on a Saturday for us. So it has been all hands on deck for coverage of the whiteout recruiting. Uh, that will continue for the next couple of days, as you'd imagine. 
guys get home, players get home on a, on a Sunday with their families. They get back to school on a Monday. It can take a little while to have all these conversations that we want to have. But there have been conversations with another player out of Central Catholic in Pittsburgh, Anthony Specca. He is a four-star linebacker, a top 20 player at the position in our evaluation at 24-7 Sports for the 2024 class. And he has Penn State in his top group. Brian Doan has a story up about this at lines247.com. But I know he's a guy that you wanted to talk about as well. Yeah, if – if you have a minute, definitely give Doan's story a read on Specca. It's a really good read. It's really good insight into where Penn State stands with him. So, yeah, and we touched a little bit on Specca last week when I was on about how he got on campus in late July in more of an intimate setting with the staff and how that how heavily that worked in Penn State's favor. Obviously, Saturday night is like the complete opposite of an intimate setting, just given, you know, how many recruits were there and how many, you know, just everything that goes with the whiteout. But Specka, man, he, he had a great time. So actually on Friday night, Penn State's members of Penn State's coaching staff got out to see Central Catholic play Seneca Valley. They got to see Gonzalez. They got to see Specka. Then, you know, obviously they come to campus on Saturday night and have a good time. So there's a lot of attention being paid to those two by the staff. And Specka, I mean, he really just loves Penn State's linebacking core. I mean, he you know, he, he always says it. Every he came time to the good game. He came to the right game. I know, yeah, he loved what, I know he loved what Curtis Jacobs did out there. Yeah. We were just talking about it before you came on. Carter. The linebackers had their best game of the season so yeah. far. So anytime you can showcase something, just like Peter Gonzalez and the wide receivers, they saw some downfield explosive playmaking abilities that hasn't really been consistent yeah or a parent on a week-to-week basis for Penn State. So not only did Penn State put on a show with the whiteout and the fireworks and the fan base, but on the field, they were really able to put a lot of answers out there and a lot of examples out there. And it's so big for so many kids. When you can go watch a game and just see your position group ball out, and then you start to think about what it's going to be like if you know if you were playing in that room, if you were part of that defense. And that's just something that Specka, you know, has been considering. So it's a competitive recruitment. You know, I always say it with him it's a hotly contested race. You got Penn state, you know, Michigan, just, it's going to be a battle. It's going to continue to be a battle for months. I would anticipate because he's still got visits to make and he's very thorough with his recruitment. You know, he's not, he's not going to be making a rush decision or anything like that. When he sits down and decides that he wants to commit, it's going to be a very well thought out decision. And it's going to be one with a lot of information behind it, but Penn state has done a really good job and they are right there right now. So kudos to the staff getting, you know, getting in that top three. And I'm sure he'll be back again, but you, I would say, you know, he's, that might be one of the biggest wins of the weekend, you know, get him getting there and seeing that linebacker room produce at such a high level and just really hammer home that Penn State could be a spot for him. You want to talk about another linebacker? Uh, I got, I got yeah. another one to talk about. Oh, we got a lot of linebackers to yeah. talk about. <laughs> Christopher Jones is the other one I wanted to make sure we talked about on the podcast. He's a top 100 uh, composite prospect in the 2024 cycle. He's the number six overall linebacker in our 24-7 sports evaluation. Uh, six foot two, 220-pound junior out of Mountain View High School in Stafford, Virginia. Virginia, of course, is where you'll find several members of the Penn State recruiting class in 2023, along with one of their remaining targets in that class, Kavion Keys, who we just talked about at linebacker. What do you make of Jones making the trip and leaving with a pretty positive impression? Yeah, I mean, leaving, he's, he's already thinking about when he wants to get back. That's how good, that's how good this visit went. So, I mean, Chris Jones, man, kid's a baller. I, I love his tape. You know, he's so athletic. He can do a lot of good things in the middle of a defense, you know, like covering space, makes plays sideline to sideline. He's just a lot of good traits I know the Penn State staff loves and a lot of other coaching staffs love as well. So him getting up there, that was big in itself. And then for him to walk away saying – all right, I just had this experience. Now when, I gonna, when am I going to come get another one out of this? 
huge right. for Penn State because you know I mean, we're talking about a top 100 kid. I mean, he's a high level prospect, and he's going to be a kid that Penn State goes after really, really hard moving forward. And Saturday, another guy, really big win. Yeah, James Franklin, I know, has referred to it. He's not the first to do it, but, you know, to, to recruiting and some forms of dating and when you make the commitment <laughs> to shut it down. But a big part of dating is, you know, uh, how quickly you're going to give that person a call back. And in, in the case of recruiting is how quickly are you trying to set up that return exactly. trip? And and they've got a few guys who are chomping at the bit maybe to get back this season. We talked about an official visit in the works coming out of this, and that's exactly what you're looking to build those things off of an experience like this to get guys back on campus in junior day in the winter, to get guys back for official visits next spring in this 2024 class. And a lot of that because you can say, remember how awesome that yep. Saturday was on campus? Come here. There's not going to be 110,000 people around you right now. It's going to be you, mom and dad, and some staff members, but we're going to have an excellent time, and you're going to learn a lot more about this school. So it can be a springboard kind of deal. And, of course, looking toward a matchup like Ohio State versus Penn State is one that is typically in Beaver Stadium a magnet for big-time recruits. Of course, often it's the whiteout game. A lot of people have been having a difficult time digesting the fact that it is not the whiteout game this year, but Minnesota was. And now we have a noon kickoff. We know noon kickoffs on a Saturday can be difficult, especially a school like Penn State where you've got to go two-plus hours uh, for some of the larger football districts where it's more populated and guys can make a quicker trip. What are you hearing early on about the recruiting possibilities of this Saturday's matchup against the Buckeyes? So it's going to be another good weekend for Penn State. You know, there, there are going to be some very notable names that make their way to campus. I'm pretty sure of that. But the fact of the matter is, and man, you really just hit the nail on the head. You know, noon kickoff. It's kind of two hours, you know, out of the way for any regional sense. It, it's that, That's why the whiteout is, was so important and such a big attraction. That's why the staff went really all out to get so many guys on campus. You know, I, I can't sit here and say it's one of the deepest whiteouts I've seen because obviously I'm still, you know, I'm less than a year in here. But seeing over 100 names on campus, I, I mean, you know, it speaks to the effort that the staff put in to make sure that this was the recruiting weekend of the season, as they always do with the whiteout, but especially this, because when you have that noon kickoff against Ohio State, you know, when Ohio State is Ohio State, it sells itself. That's a big ticket matchup, and recruits are going to want to see that. Now, you know, some circumstances make that a little bit more difficult for certain kids, you know, depending on where they live and, you know, how they could get to Penn State so early in the day. But it's still going to be a pretty good weekend. You know, there's going to be some notable names, especially in-state names. You know, there's a possibility that Quentin Martin makes his way to campus. You know, we're still working to confirm that for the five-star five star prospect. Yeah. yeah. So you know, keep it. You got to stay tuned and just keep an eye on lines twenty-four-seven for you know the names that roll in. It's going to be another solid weekend. Not not as big as the whiteout. That kind of goes without saying, but a solid weekend nonetheless. You've got a number two versus number 13 matchup. Uh, you know, it, it is a big time yeah. setting. Ohio State's recruiting a bunch of top talent out of this region as well. Um, you can make an impact off the TV here, off the broadcast, but you can certainly getting guys on campus and, and playing well can go a long way in this type of setting. I, I have a feeling uh, while we were kind of putting together that co confirmed guest list for the whiteout, which was maybe like we started that, what, two weeks in advance, a week yeah. and a half, <laughs> we're starting to get names. My sense is because of where Penn State is in a better spot coming out of this matchup than they were the week before. And also because they're playing host against Ohio State, I think excitement will get drummed up. And I think we'll get some confirmations mid to late week of guys yeah. who say, I'm going to be there. I, I don't want to miss out on this. Now, there is a hindrance there with the timing of this game and the way high school football works and schedules. Some guys just can't possibly entertain the thought of making this trip to the game. 
but I have a sense that unlike last time where there was a highly coordinated and 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 very far in advanced confirmation list, I think it's going to be more of a trickle over the course of this week as, as guys uh, talk to their parents, talk to potential rides to get to campus and say, we got to find a way to be in the stadium for this one. Yeah, that's actually something I definitely agree with because I feel like as the week goes on, there's going to be more and more juice that gets you know kind of poured into this matchup. Mm-hmm. And you best believe these kids are going to take notice, especially after that whiteout win. Like you said, number two versus number 13. I mean, is there really anything more you got to say? It sells itself. That's a huge matchup. So, yeah, I would anticipate as the week goes on, we're going to see more and more kids who are deciding where they want to get this weekend. Look at that Penn State game. And, you know, if they can make it work, they probably, you know, they, they might say, hey, let's do it. it. It's a hell of a matchup, and I want to be there for that. So, yeah, it, it's like I said, I think it's going to be a healthy list, and that's going to be one we're tracking pretty much all the way up until kickoff, as we always do. But I feel like especially with this one, just given the circumstances that we've discussed here. Alliance 24-7 VIP members have been in the know on all the whiteout recruiting information. Uh, I got a deal on the site right now, $1 for one month or 30% off an annual Lions 24-7 VIP subscription. So check that out for our full recruiting coverage. Tyler, beyond continuing to reach out to those who were on campus Saturday, um, what do you got for us this week? I think it's a particularly interesting week for your staple piece of comparing the recruiting talent on both of the rosters because Ohio state and Penn state have butted heads for a long time. And not many teams in the big 10 have recruited better than Penn state uh, on a year to year basis with James Franklin at the helm, but Ohio state certainly is the one. Yeah, man, I started that. I started putting that, uh, that the weekly recruiting breakdown in motion earlier today. And like Ohio state is Ohio state, but when you sit down and you look at these rankings and it reinforces the level that they recruit at and how they're just consistently, you know, calling in the, elite class after elite class after elite class, really, no matter who's coaching, no matter what's going on up there, it's just a consistent thing. So it's going to be a really fun breakdown. Once I get into the position versus position, you know, player versus player, that, that, that's my favorite part of it personally. Cause I like to see how, you know, like how a quarterback stacks up against another team's quarterback and just where they were in the rankings coming out of high school rankings aren't everything, but they sure tell the story. And when you have a program like Ohio state recruiting at that level, I mean, it, it's going to be fun, man. But yeah, just that tracking down the visitors, you know, I'm sure we're going to have, we're going to, I'm looking to do a reset because, you know, we talk about the 2023 activity and how there's still some stuff going on there. It's, it's not a lot of stuff, but there's still stuff going on there. So I'm looking to do a little bit of a reset, you know, kind of just consolidate everything into one big thing of where Penn State is at in this class is because look, early signing period's coming up. It's going to be here yeah. before you know it, you know, it, it tends to sneak up on you. So we're going to have, you know, make sure we're all good to go on the 2023 front. So definitely a lot, to, a lot more to come on the site with the recruiting breakdown coming out tomorrow. I'm excited to see that one come together. You're talking about how this cycle is just is suddenly coming up toward the finish line. And, and I had a thought yesterday, actually, that we're just about halfway between the, the Lash Bash and National Signing Day. I think we're actually closer wow. to National Signing Day. And that means we're really close to having a ton of this class on campus as yeah. well. Um, because there's a lot of enro- early enrollees in the mix. So appreciate your coverage, man. You've been killing it. We we, we love it at lines247.com. Uh, big thanks to you and Brian Doan especially and Steve Wilfong and everybody else a part of that network. As you said, Andrew Ivan's down in Florida, being able to tap into him for, for some stuff over the course of this weekend. Team effort. Uh, I know you're leading the charge here locally, though. So really appreciate it, Tyler. We'll catch up with you real soon on the podcast. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me back on. All right. 
Uh, always awesome to get three of our colleagues on uh, over the course of this podcast. We had Mark, Daniel, and then TC. Uh, big thanks to them for joining uh, our conversation. And we're at almost an hour, so we're going to step away for now. We'll be back on Tuesday out of James Franklin's weekly press conference. Whatever we hear from him, what's standing out about this Ohio State matchup, we'll start to turn the corner, get into the Buckeyes a bit. Later in the week, you'll hear from an Ohio State Beat reporter to break down from a uh, perspective that we won't have here in Happy Valley. And, of course, we're back on the practice field. We have player calls and coach calls over the course of this week. Coverage continuing at Lions247.com and ultimately discussing that all here on the Lions247 podcast. For now, I'm Tyler Donahue. We'll talk to you real soon.